The following presentation is brought to you through the power of science. Shiny. Here we are, our first show of 2021. And I'm recording this cold open alone because Elle and I couldn't get our schedules to uh, come together. But the, the show needs a little bit of an intro, a special intro, because the discussion that follows in the show proper was recorded way back in the summer of 2020. And, you know, 2020 was a lot. We only got three shows out and got this fourth show in the can and just couldn't get it together, couldn't get it edited. Our hats are off to everyone who was able to keep their podcasts going through the whole pandemic and everything that's been going on. But we just couldn't quite get up the energy and we had a rough year as everyone did, but we lost some friends and family, uh, not to COVID, but this show, our last show of the fifth season is dedicated to our good friend, Dave Gallanter, whom we lost to cancer in December of 2020. So here's just hoping that for everyone, 2021 turns around we get vaccinated, we get past this, and things are better. So without further ado, uh, welcome to Generations Geek, a more or less family-friendly celebration of all that is geeky. I'm science fiction writer and editor Scott Pearson, along with my daughter Ella. We are two generations of geek. This is episode 60, Catching Fire, as we discuss the second film in the Hunger Game theories. Now, on with the show. All right, so this is our first episode in a while. So before we really get into chatting, uh, we just want to say, obviously, um, we are from Minnesota, St. Paul, Minneapolis, um, and we don't want to uh, not address current events. So uh, what we are going to say is that um, Black Lives Matter and uh, Derek Chauvin should go to prison. <laughs> um, unequivocally, uh, we support the movement. And now we're going to move on and have fun. Yes. It's been a long, strange summer. <laughs> it's been a while since we said anything. So just say that first and now we'll start. <laughs> this is the final show of our fifth series. It's almost as if we are having our own quarter quell. <laughs> yeah. Except not a quarter and not a quell. <laughs> <laughs> but 60th episode, huge. Well and past middle age. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's been a while since we watched the first movie. Uh, nevertheless, I what are your first uh, thoughts, feelings, reactions? I enjoyed it, definitely. Mm -hmm. One thing I enjoyed, I mean, we can talk about this more as we get deeper into it, I guess, but I remember that one of the things that I found a, a little wanting in the first film is that the character of Gale seemed to just really not really get much. And, no. And now in this film, then, you do get to see a lot more of him and his complicated relationship with Katniss. And so I was really very glad to see that get picked up more in this film. Mm -hmm. He gets some... Um... His character, I feel like it's a bit of like a ramp up in the next two movies as well. Like I feel like you get to know him a little bit more, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's funny. I my first reaction, just even when I first started watching, it had been so long since I watched or read this book. And I just at the beginning, especially Gail and Peta are so whiny. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just been like I haven't watched or read the book since I was like younger, mm-hmm. but just the first like third of the movie where they're both like, but Katniss, do you like me like for real? And she's like, I'm trying to deal. The president is going to kill all of us and me. (laughs) She has so much going on. And both of their number one priorities is like, oh, you lied to me in the arena, even though you didn't save us. And like, oh, you like kissed somebody else in the arena. I was just like, can we? She's (laughs) Hermione trying to do well in school. God, she is. With the two boys being goofballs. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so funny because I also had, like, a Harry Potter anecdote, which is that later in, I think maybe it's Order of the Phoenix, um, and Harry is being whiny, and it's like a scene, and Ginny is sitting with him, and she's like, there's one other person here that's been possessed by Voldemort, and I'm sitting right here. So don't <laughs> act all whiny. And I was so reminded, like, I guess in that situation, though, I was thinking of, like, Harry as uh, Katniss. It's like, she, like, doesn't want to talk to PETA, like, and they're both, like, they're not talking, they're weird. It's, like, weird. And mm-hmm. then PETA's like, yeah, uh, yeah, I have nightmares, too. Like, I was also there. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, too, have horrible PTSD. <laughs> PETA had some really uh, good good meaty scenes in this one too. He does a king. I thought that the, the victory tour concept was a clever way to start the sequel. You know, it, it kind of, uh, kind of, kind of almost tricks you in a, in a good way that you're like, Oh, it's not just going to be, you know, a hunger games again. It's something different, mm-hmm. but they find a way to get them back in to the arena and it works mm-hmm. really well and so it's different enough that even though you get them back into the competition that it doesn't just seem like a a redo of the first one and you knew prior to watching the movie that they were going to be back in the arena right so it wasn't like a surprise i i had actually kind of forgotten that they get back in there and so you know because i'm just going into these completely you know, I, I, I didn't read the books. I didn't, you know, I didn't pay attention that much to things. So I really am just going in there like blank slate. Mm-hmm. And so it was a good, good twist. Oh, there was something I wanted to ask about earlier in the film. When there's that great uh, scene, the first PTSD scene with Katniss, where she ends up shooting the guy with the there's the turkeys she and, sees the guy in the woods and she sees the guy in the woods was that someone that was that a recognizable character or was it just some guy i'm gonna be honest i don't know but that was a great i don't scene. remember yeah that, that was it also was shocking because it's like you believe you're with katniss and you're like oh my god there's a guy in the woods yeah and then you have to come to the conclusion that oh no she's just like screwed up after the first yeah and 74th hunger games and that's such a great that's something that is so rarely done with heroes in the movies. They rarely are shown to have emotional impact from the uh horrific stuff they go through. Mm-hmm. And so that was a nice touch. 
And, oh, then when Snow is at her house unexpectedly. Oh, God. You know, he's just so, I mean, Donald Sutherland is such a great actor, obviously, but he's oh, so menacing mm-hmm. in this. I mean, with hardly even doing anything, you're just like terrified of the guy. Well, and that she just comes home and he's there. And I think if, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe this is the part in the book where um they actually do, because they bring in all the new peacekeepers and the mm-hmm. peacekeepers, I don't know if you remember this part, they, um the fence in District 12 isn't electrified. It, mm-hmm. it has signs saying it's an electric fence that we see in the first movie, and then Katniss touches it. It's obviously not on. They turn it back on. And so when Katniss comes back from the woods that day, she has to climb over it and, like, jump down. And she, like, yeah. hurts her foot, and she's, like, limping. But then she has to pretend, like, oh, I'm fine, and I wasn't just in the woods hunting <laughs> yeah. illegally, obviously, uh, Mr. Snow. Um, I believe it's that – I'm almost certain it was that day in the book, but um, I haven't read it a long time. But – uh. I forgot how long it takes before they're actually in the arena. Yeah, there's a um, lot that goes on. It's like over half of it is the politics leading up to them actually getting, you know, uh, dunked in. So the scenes where I guess I want to talk about Effie. I had a comment about her. Because <laughs> leading up to when they actually go back into the arena and you can mm-hmm. see the cracks sort of forming in the Capitol and the Capitol audience and then watching um, – Effie try to deal with it is like just I don't know wild. What were you gonna? What was your note? Well, she starts coming across as a sympathetic character in this film, where in the first film, you know, she's just this, you know, because she's kind of a caricature of of a mm-hmm. of a person because she has this role to fill, uh, this you know official role to fill, and she's just kind of annoying. But in this film, it really starts, you start feeling for her. You start thinking that she actually does have sincere feelings that she cares about Katniss. And there seems to be these moments where it's like you can tell that she thinks things are wrong. But there's really not anything she can do about it. But you can tell that she's starting to be bothered by things. And I thought that was a nice growth of the character. It was able to take her a little bit away from the caricature and you start seeing the real person a little bit more. Of course, you know, that's part of the the bit of the movie or the stories is that the people in the Capitol are kind of caricatures mm-hmm. because they are forced to play these roles and leave the, you know, have these pretend lives. Like, uh, you know, what's, I always forget the name of the Caesar. announcer. Caesar. Yeah, Caesar. You know, because he is such a ridiculous character that my note, I was laughing looking at my notes here because I just wrote when he first appeared in in this film, I just noted his teeth so white. That literally. <laughs> I love in... how white his teeth are. That just fits with the character. You know, that's just the superficial thing. And, and then when he has such an exaggerated way of, of smiling and laughing and those teeth oh, are just glaring. That bit is in the book, too, about his teeth. That it's that they're just like blindingly white. <laughs> um, and then his hair is dyed those crazy colors. And obviously in those interviews, we see more of like sort of the capital citizens feeling conflicted about the victors going back into the arena. But I feel yeah. like with Effie, it's like not only did she and Hamish like finally have this like success. And for her, obviously I feel like it's more like 
her career. She's like, oh, finally, mm-hmm. like I have a victor in my district. Um, but uh, so not only did they finally have a victor, they had two victors. And then, right, the bit is like you get to live in fame and fortune forever. You get to live in the victor's village, yeah. which is like empty and creepy in District 12. Um, and so then for Effie to have to like the reaping scene, Effie, when you're really watching her come to terms with actually what's going to happen, it's like now it's someone she knows. Yeah. It's not just like some grimy little kid from District 12. It's like Katniss, who she thought she was going to, you know, spend the rest of her life taking on more tours, victory tours around the Capitol. Um, And I I just want to add that in that scene, the Rue sort of memorial. Oh, God. And then it, you know, causes people to salute and then it's a whole situation that scene is so well done it's so like genuinely shocking i had shivers that entire scene katniss staring at the huge picture of and then just her family kind of standing there um and yeah and then the old man who yeah they cut that perfectly as the doors shut and you see the gunfire yeah just, oh, I mean, <laughs> just like horrific. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say one of the th- scenes that really grabbed me on the victory tour was when the little girl said, I want to volunteer just like you did. Just creepy, right? And it's so, you know, on the one hand, you know, Katniss is being sort of like the hero in that statement. And the little girl is looking up to this other, you know, strong young woman. So on the one hand, that's cool. But on the other hand, of course, when it's in the context of this horrific society, it just breaks your heart that here's this little girl that's going to be ready to, you know, sacrifice herself Mm -hmm. because they live in this dystopia that arose who knows how. I suppose the prequel book tells us a little bit more about how it came to be. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I just, I'll just say right now, I haven't read it. I'm too afraid that I won't like it. Um, and yeah. <laughs> it's a difficult thing to pull off to go back to a series this popular and try to. And so yeah. uh, here we are. Don't nobody put me on blast. Um, I have. I have another question about sure. a. A note of mine. I jotted down all these notes, and while I was watching the movie, quickly, like in the dark, typing on my iPad. And now, when I read the notes, I'm a little confused because my next note is this is the 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 complete verbatim quote. Okay. Everyone wears their hair like this, Grandpa. <laughs> what what does that mean? Um. Was there a Grandpa in there with weird hair? What? what? <laughs> I mean, Caesar's hair is very founding fathers. I will say, a lot of their hair. Let's see who else. Is um, there a grandpa we'll character? You got, you got uh, who else? I have you no got, idea uh, what that means. You got uh, Plutarch. Um, so yeah, that's funny. So if any of our listeners remember, if there was <laughs> who is a the grandpa. Was there a character that was actually referred to as a grandpa? And he had awesome hair. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> I should have... See, but I, I don't like pausing that much when I'm watching a no, film. No, I know. You got to scribble. 
Then my next note seems to say, Proposal while Gail washes dirt from his hands. I remember a scene where Gail was washing his hands. Um, so when the only shot of the proposal in the movie, it's like behind, it's over Gail's shoulder. So he's like in, he's working or whatever, or he's off work. So he's like washing mm-hmm. coal off his hands or whatever. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And then behind him is the screen with Peter proposing to Katniss next to Caesar. Yes. And he's just like washing his hands. And I, I thought that was great, you know, that, because obviously there's this complicated triangle going on there mm-hmm. and just kind of the symbolism that he's just there washing the uh, yeah. coal from his hands while he hears that. And, you know, and he's trying to, you know, he, he's unsuccessfully trying to understand the situation that Katniss is in, but it's obviously difficult for him. And Katniss also, I feel like they neither of them really come to terms with the permanency of the arrangement until that scene, like, on the train when Hamish is like, you're going to be here forever, dude. I don't know yeah, why you think. Th- this is your life from now on, playing these roles. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, let's take a pause. Let's just say, let's do a, a compare contrast of the arenas. Because I love the arena in Catching Fire Mm -hmm. so much. It's so cinematic. It's so creepy and terrifying. It's so calculated. Um, And it's so, like, it's it's so much, I feel like it's so much more memorable than the arena in the first movie is, like, obviously it's, like, woods, you get the prairie, whatever. But I feel like the, um, like, the character's actions is what is memorable in the first movie. Like you remember like Katniss and Peta and like Katniss volunteering for prim. Mm-hmm. And when I think about catching fire, I think of like the water and the jungle. And I said, as I was watching it, one of my roommates came home and I was like, truly, I think that this would be my worst nightmare of an arena. If I just popped out and I was in the jungle, I think I would lose it. Like I love animals. If one like bird eating tarantula, put one little foot on me in that arena, I would scream. I would lose it. Oh my God. I, the, the use of the water. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, later on when you get the spinning oh, island God. thing, that's just crazy. But uh, yeah, they, they really used that uh, opening scene in the arena to great effect. When you have great actors, and then they've already got a film – you know, there's already been a film. It allows them to do such subtle things that have such impact. And when there was the, there was the one uh, party scene and when Snow comes out and he just like looks at Katniss and just kind of shakes his head. And it's just so – threatening <laughs> and all he does is shake his head but you know you have such a sense like, of how evil he it. is mm-hmm. and how threatened he's becoming by her and you know what i love about uh about katniss in general but also katniss in this movie is she never wanted to be a hero like at no point even kind of in this movie sort of up until we'll get to the end later but she'd never wanted even the berries. She never was like, 
screw snow, I'm going to take over at every single point. She was I'm, like, I'm going home to prim. Yes. You, I, I like when you started saying that I, I, I couldn't believe it because <laughs> I actually, this is in one of my notes. Mm-hmm. I said, it's great storytelling that Katniss wants to run not be the hero. There's the scene where she's like ready to take off. Yep. And it's so she's realistic. Like, yeah, we can do it. And and you don't hold it against her at all because mm-hmm. it's she's in such a horrible situation. And it feels so insurmountable. Yeah. And then of course it just makes it that much more um dramatic and exciting and everything when she does have to face up to these situations and and can't run and she has to, you know, do what she does. I really love it. Katniss is such a flawed uh, protagonist and it makes me like her so much more. It's like, she's a little unlikable. Like she really doesn't like, and obviously Jennifer Lawrence does a really good job of this. I think in these movies is it's like Katniss is, she's like trying to act, but she also just kind of like, isn't really that person. And she's not trying to be that person. It's like, so it's like there's every scene. It's like, oh, you can say just say one more thing, say one more thing, and you've got it. But she just she's not the person. She can't like all yeah. she ever. It's like she's just a hunter. She's just like she is trying to survive, and that's like yeah. always been her number one priority. Yeah, and she can be pretty harsh and unfeeling sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's obviously a very you know she's a very sympathetic, emotional person. Mm-hmm. Um, but under and and so. It's it is a complex character, more complex than you often see in in movies that are essentially like you know an adventure movie. Mm-hmm. But you really see her emotional struggle with mm-hmm. where she is. Another thing I liked: it didn't get a lot of time. Uh, it was more in the first film when you really got to see the relationship between Katniss and her mother and her and her little yeah. sister. And you um, and you saw how much uh, Katniss was the mother of the family because the mother, you know, is not, you know, dealing with things. And so then in this one, you see Katniss's sister kind of taking care of the mom. And so you see the sister forced, the little sister forced to be uh, very, you know, old for her age. You know, because Katniss yeah, isn't... taking taking the syringe away from their mom and taking care of Gail. Yeah, and because you know Katniss isn't there all the time now to to you know, and so the sisters had to step up. And I mean, I would know better if I had read the novels, but it seems to me, as a person who hasn't read the novels, and I'm just watching the film and knowing. Uh, just because of the nature of filmmaking, knowing that there has to be all sorts of stuff that was left out, it seems to me like they're making pretty good choices about what they use, what they don't use, and and finding a balance between, like, in the first film, you get a little bit more about Katniss and the mom and the family, and you don't get much about Gail, but then in this film, you get more about Gail, and you get less about the mom and the family, and so they're they're working all this stuff in as best they can while still, you know, keeping all the, the big adventure scenes that you need in a film like this. I liked the line, this just kind of comes out of nowhere, but I really like the Mm -hmm. line where they say there are survivors, there's no winners. Yep. That really sums up the Hunger Games. 
God, watching all the like victors interact. Mm -hmm. Um, even if you don't know like how somebody won their Hunger Games, mm -hmm. like you can imagine that they're like very violent or very cunning. And I feel like it's rare that the games are won without a large amount of violence on the part of the victor. Yes. Um, and so you know right away that they're all like, I mean, it's like walk, it's like a room of like assassins basically. Yeah. And so like just walking into that space and watching them kind of like joke around. And then on top of it, that they've all known each other for so many years. Yeah. It's so crazy. So now that we're talking about the victors, um, let's, uh, jump there. So we get kind of we get a new cast of characters, mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious um, your impressions. I'm curious who was your favorite. Um, if there is, I'm curious about everything. I'm curious about their impressions on you. Well, you know, it was the usual mix of uh, sociopaths and uh, <laughs> interesting characters. Uh, I mean, obviously, you've got. Uh, what was her name? Mags. You got the old lady who volunteered to, you know, to save someone else. And so that's very moving. Uh, and then you have the people that are clearly just the sociopathic killers that are, you know, the big danger. And then they the also careers, do, a, yeah. they do a good job of, then you've got all the people that you're not sure about, you know, because you've got the guy who immediately is trying to ally with Katniss. And of course you think, well, obviously this is a ploy <laughs> and he's going to turn Are you on you're talking about Finnick with the sugar cubes? Yeah. You yeah. Know, but then it turns out, well, no, he actually is a good guy, you know, but it's so uh, mm -hmm. hard to tell because there's so much s scheming that goes on that, that, that has to go on. And Finnick is just, Finnick is so funny too, because he's so straightforward with Katniss in a way that like, not in the same way that Haymitch is, mm -hmm. and in a very different way than Peta is. Like Finnick is very friendly with her, yeah, but also kind of honest. And I love how um, she's so confused by him. I think most of the movie, she doesn't know what even to think, especially after that first scene, um, obviously, but... Yeah, I love their interactions. Yeah, so well, much. it's 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 hard to trust anyone in that world, mm -hmm. and I mean, just in the world in general. But then once you're in the Hunger Games, and you're trying to you know suss these people out and decide if they are actually nice or they're just playing you, yeah, it it's very nerve wracking. And so yeah, I I completely didn't believe him. I was just like, oh no, he's gonna turn out. <laughs> That's so funny. What did you think when you saw that Peta had given him the uh, bangle? Or no, sorry, Haymitch gave him the bracelet. Oh, then, you know, at that point, it was like, oh, okay, so I guess this is on the up and up. He's, you know, <laughs> but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, it was it was touch and go there for Fennec. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, okay, so uh, let's go right there. So we're we're in the arena. I'm trying to decide how I don't want to. I'm so excited to talk about the end, but I don't want to skip over like everything that happens between like <laughs> them getting in the arena and then the final like arrow flying. But uh, what did you think about? Um, I feel like in the book, there's more time to kind of catch on yourself to the clock and um, 
Whereas is saying TikTok for much longer. It's all she says for much longer. And the mm-hmm. before you realize, um, and it happens very fast. Um, so I guess, I don't know. I was going to ask you if you felt like you were figuring it out, but I feel like there's just so little time because they hit the, they get away from the fog and it hits the wall, but there's very little other clues. Yeah. I, well, first off, boy, the poison fog, that was oh, God. a scary, brutal bit of business. Um, and and then of course then you had the sacrifice Meg's sacrifice, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but um, no I I really didn't I don't know if it was the storytelling or the movie more it was probably just me because I usually don't think when there when I when I'm seeing a movie that has a puzzle element like a mystery movie or, or something yeah. I often do not even try to figure out the clues because I'm just watching the movie unfold as it happens mm-hmm. and I'm trying well, and you to... want the reveal at the end. Yeah. You want the reveal and I just don't want my brain to get distracted from the movie that's mm-hmm. in front of me by thinking forward or thinking back and, and trying to collate clues into something. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get what was going on there you know yeah. like with the tiktok stuff it just mm-hmm. never even occurred to me different different angle did were you did you catch on to um the the plot or to plutarch at all the the what now uh so plutarch is the uh game maker yeah so there's that scene uh where he um tells them to spin the clock mm-hmm. but uh, essentially he saves cat. It's like Katniss is about to get curb stomped by a career. And he's like, why don't you go ahead and spin that for me? Oh, um, and then later as, cause Katniss doesn't know. So it's from her point of view, the audience doesn't know that like PETA and uh, BT and everyone knows that there's like this escape plot. So how close were you to her actually letting the arrow go? Uh, when you kind of put the pieces together, did you have like a realization moment? I like, like I said before, my mm-hmm. brain just generally doesn't work that way when I'm watching the film. So I did not put these pieces together at all. I was just c- clueless, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, you know, and then sometimes, you know, and some of this stuff, then once I got more of the reveal, I mean, some of this stuff I didn't even backtrack and think about and say, oh, wait a minute, that's why he had them spin the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it just uh, went over my head because I'm just, you know, staring at what's happening. Happening. That's so wild. This is a book that I could, I wish I could go back and read for the first time. Not even, not even the first book. Mm-hmm. I want to reread Catching Fire for the first time because of the, the like slow buildup and reveal and the way the arena works. And then her at the end realizing it's like she thinks that Joanna completely betrayed her. Mm-hmm. Um, she does. Katniss doesn't realize at all what's going on. And then when she gets back to the tree and she realizes it's like BT had the like spear and she still is kind of putting it together. And then Finnick. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sorry. I did kind of I got too excited. I did skip to the end. But <laughs> then Finnick, you know, it's like I also love Katniss really lets herself tap into like she goes she just goes feral. Yeah. She's a queen. She's squatting there with her bow and arrow. It's like there's there's no talking to her at that point. Like she mm-hmm. is full caveman mode. Yeah. And um again I love Finnick because he weirdly knows the exact right thing to say to her. Um 
which is, you know, remember who the real enemy is. And she's like, mm, yes, one plus one. I'm in caveman <laughs> mode. God, it's so good. I really enjoyed it. There were some scenes where I was like, this is too long. But I was so surprised with how much I enjoyed rewatching it mm. and how much I was just like, oh, God, like, I can't, like, I want to reread the book. Like, it's so good. I never, um, you know, on my first viewing, I never mm-hmm. had a feeling like it was too long. I was uh, right there with oh, it the, the whole time. Um, and, you know, the, the the twists and turns, the, you know, the poison fog, those those baboons, the, cr- the crazy oh baboon God. scene. Oh, my gosh. That just kind of came out of nowhere. And also the way PETA, (laughs) the way PETA has no uh, situational awareness. I love PETA, but it is so funny to me how he, because remember in the first one, Kenneth says to be like, I can't hunt with you here because you're stomping all over the woods and scaring everything away. (laughs) Yeah. And then her here just like, PETA walk towards me slowly. And he's like, huh? And there's already like eight gigantic (laughs) monkeys around him. And he was just like, I am drinking water and Katniss is behind me. Like nothing is the matter. (laughs) We're kind of, I said I was going to skip right to the end. I feel like I got to the end really quick, but I feel like it's such a big reveal when she wakes up, talk about caveman mode, when she wakes up on the, on the jet, I don't remember what they're called, yeah. the like hovercraft. Oh my God. I mean, can you imagine you're Katniss and you wake up and BT's next to you conked and you're just on a ship and she was like, I'm taking the whole thing down. It's all going down. I have this syringe. Like she was going for the pilot. Yeah, <laughs> she was done. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did not see. Uh, we we were talking about that a little earlier. I did not see any of that coming. W- what's the character's name again that Philip Seymour Hoffman plays? Uh, Plutarch. When he's on the the the, the hovercraft or whatever there, and you yeah. realize that he's part of the resistance, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great, uh, great twist. And I love how um, again caveman mode Katniss doesn't care like she and again with the facts placed in front of her I would probably assume exactly what she which is like um this is all the capital's doing and you betrayed me but the way she's like I'm going to kill you Hamish (laughs) right now in front of whatever you know in front of Philip Seymour Hoffman in front of Finnick uh it's happening um and then obviously uh heartbreaking the um God, when, (laughs) what a twist. Um, when they hit her with the sedative and she starts going down Mm -hmm. her, it breaks my heart every time the way her transition from like unimaginable, like attacking Hamish fury to just being like limp and just saying like, you're a liar. You lied to me. Like you're a liar. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Jennifer Lawrence. Thank you. She is really good. She's fantastic. Oh my gosh. And I feel like I haven't seen her in a ton of stuff since these movies. And every time I rewatch them, I'm like, God, she, I mean, she sent it. She gave it everything <laughs> and it was perfect. Okay. So normally we would watch the movies together. Obviously. Um, I uh, am now an adult with an apartment. Uh, there's a <laughs> pandemic. I don't know if everyone's heard. Don't want to break the news to anybody, but, um, were there any parts that uh, made you like visibly react or like laugh out loud? I feel like I always like I make a, I would make a point of asking you about anything normally that you would have reacted to. 
visibly was there any part that like really gave you like a you had a reaction to when the baboons appeared that was definitely caught me off guard there's that one jump scare when Peta looks up and i mean my uh my roommate was on the couch next to me and about jumped six clear inches the baboons <laughs> uh i think are so scary and i'll say it one of my deepest fears is um uh large monkeys and or apes <laughs> and i'll tell you why it's because they're too strong and they're too smart and i don't know what they're thinking a yeah. chimp could absolutely tear me limb from limb zero to little effort required mm-hmm. <laughs> i'd be ter- i'd be done i would that that's a mags moment for me i would lay down yeah <laughs> i would say good night at that point i'm not doing there's not much for me there i don't know about all that Let's do some quick fire, simple questions. Um, <laughs> let's do the, I would like to do the classic uh, Gale versus Peta. Well, I really liked how Peta kind of gave some smack talk back to Katniss and said, mm-hmm. I know what's going on. And so he seemed to, at least he wanted to come across to Katniss as having come to a realization of what the situation was and wanted to just say, you know, I can deal with this, you know, I'm a big boy mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was a good scene, you know, and, and seeing how awkward they were during that forced uh, scene when they get picked up to go on to the, uh, the <laughs> yeah. victory tour and they're trying to, you know, play their roles and they're both being bad at it. Um, and, uh, Gail does come across uh, pretty overall sympathetically. I mean, he has his bad moments where he's uh, obviously not dealing very well with with trying to acknowledge the position Katniss was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that may have played differently in the books when you have more of the backstory behind them. Uh, than you do in well. the films. I don't know. But yeah, there was a couple times where I was kind of like, you know, dude, she was in the arena. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds the... like a confirmed team PETA uh, well, from Scott. So everyone send in the t-shirts. Well, I, I don't know if I'd go that <laughs> far, but uh, I, be, I, mean, I find both of them sympathetic characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're asking me if I think Gale is like the dude for Katniss, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not entirely convinced. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oof, the age-old question. Now, uh, Team Edward versus Team Jacob. Go. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Books, never mind. I mean, uh, I mean, who? I've never. I'm too cool for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, beyond that, again, just quick fun questions. Um, is there anybody that is like your favorite character overall? Like, is there anybody that you're like clinging to? I'm just really, uh, I'm really there for Katniss is what it comes down to. I mean, she's the one, you know, obviously since she's the star, she gets the most, you know, you see the most of her life. And Mm -hmm. so the, the journey that she's on trying to get through this, trying to, you know, maintain some sense of, uh, her own person while she's dealing with Peta and Gail and she's worried about her family and the whole, you know, thinks that snow is going to kill her and everyone she knows, you know, it's <laughs> her struggle and Jennifer Lawrence's performance 
that's what really holds it all together for me. She's so good. Do you have any, uh, any, any predictions? What were your reactions to Gail, um, you know, telling Katniss that uh, there is no more District 12? Uh, it's bombed out. We're done. Yeah, that hit me. That, that was the, uh, the last note that I took was just to write, there is no 12. Obviously, that's a huge deal to, to learn that, that Snow has, has taken that step. And it certainly sets you up for wanting to see the next uh, film or the next films, the, the two-part finale. Obviously, you're, you're rooting for Katniss to have this all come together. and uh, But at this point, it still seems insurmountable, as you said earlier. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there's the whole force of uh, snow and, and, and everything. But obviously... Another thing that you mentioned earlier, you're starting to see these cracks in the uh, the general population's acceptance of this world they're in because mm-hmm. Snow clearly played a dirty trick when he put the victors back in the arena. You could mm-hmm. see, as we discussed earlier, you could see that people did not like that. That's not the way it's done. And in his attempt to quash Katniss, he's just making her more popular. Oh my gosh. It's so just, I don't even know what to, just the drama of, of being like, we will draw from the existing Victor pool. I don't know why it it gets me. It really gets me. I think it's just the drama of it all. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, well, yeah, it's, really good storytelling you know she just Mm -hmm. did a great job with this story in that first book the you know character gets put through this horrible ringer of a situation and the whole deal is then that okay now she's fine she's free and so then to have it turned around and you and to lose that immunity Mm -hmm. and, and get thrust back in there just it's a good solid story it does make me want to go i mean i don't know if i ever will read the books just because there's so little time and so much reading to do but mm-hmm. uh yeah these these are the, the the kind of movies that that do make you want to go back and and read the original book and get the extra level of storytelling that there is in a novel versus a film god they're good and they it's like a fast that's like a that is a one day page turner type read right yeah there. they're not each big, of those books are so crazy and yeah they're not huge they're not big doorstoppers like jk rowling you know it's <laughs> yeah yeah you can really rip through them oh my gosh um so was speaking of the books was there anything in the movie that you felt like anything in the movie that obviously skipped over like you felt like you were watching and you were like oh clearly there's more to that like that i don't know because i haven't read them was there a moment where you were like I'm confused. There was one thing that I didn't quite remember everything behind it. When there was, they were like burning an effigy of Seneca Crane. Was it one of the shots in the districts? And I guess it was one of the shots in the districts. And that's, I guess, was showing the the growing unrest. Because I remember that he was, wasn't he the one where she like shot the apple? Yeah, he was the game maker. Um in the first movie and he had that beard that looked almost like flames like yeah. it was 
And um, there was there was the little bit where she realized that there was a force field up now this time because <laughs> of how uh, mm-hmm. she had shot the arrow at them. But yeah, so when I the, the, the yeah the Seneca Crane reference, I, I didn't quite connect the the dots on that. And I'm sure that you get more of him in the books. And also, if I had watched the movies closer together, I probably would have mm-hmm. remembered. Uh, but so I guess that that was just showing how people were turning more and more against the the government that they would be brave enough to burn someone in effigy. But well, and they knew it was like it was like we know that you killed him because he made the mistake of you know essentially it was his fault that Katniss and Peta were able to make it out. Yeah, and I had forgotten that he had been killed or whatever. So that there's was... only one there's not a scene of his death. There's one scene at the end of the last movie where um Snow kind of says something threatening and then leaves him in a room and uh Seneca Crane turns around and it's a bowl of those poison berries. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that guy. Yeah, so he yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> and he said, Good night, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. He said, All right, very obvious. Thank you, Mr. President. Very clear. Clear message. Heard it. And now here we are. (laughs) And that is a wrap on our fifth season, our very ridiculously prolonged fifth season. We call 12 episodes a season, no matter how long it takes us to get those episodes out. But we're very excited to start our sixth season soon-ish. And we are lining up some really exciting guests some people from Star Trek Adventures. We're hoping you're enjoying playing that Star Trek role-playing game. And some other very special surprise guests that we are waiting to announce until the time is exactly right. Uh, that is all the time we have for this episode. Tune in next time for more geeky fun. Until then, check out our website, generationsgeek.com, for blog posts or to stream any of our episodes. And consider dropping something in our tip jar on Ko-Fi. Uh, We are streaming on all of your favorite podcasting apps, so please leave us a review wherever you can. Uh, Tell your friends, your family, uh, strangers, the cashier at Trader Joe's, and you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and even Facebook. Thanks for listening, and come back next time. Come back next time. (laughs) Was it off for you? Over here, I said it, I nailed it, said at the same time. That is not how it played on this side. Well. No geeks were harmed in the making of this podcast. Ooh, shiny.